I'm here with Ed Alder, and it is May 31st, and we are in the Snake Valley. So, Ed, would you tell me a little bit about yourself and your relationship to the valley? Um, I came uh, to Snake Valley originally when I was probably just a few weeks old, I think, the first time uh, my father had homesteaded uh, on the GI Bill in the valley. And, uh, and then he left with my mom and, and he went on to college. And anyway, then uh, I came back again for real on uh, the uh, kindergarten here halfway through my kindergarten year. And then I was here and stayed here until after I graduated from the eighth grade and then moved into Salt Lake and uh, then came back in 79 to uh, employed here. Been here since. What were you doing in, in 79? You said you were employed here? Yeah, I was a uh, teacher at the high school. Here at West Desert High School. You kept teaching? Is that what you continued to do in the valley? Until I retired in, well, I do not know. 2010. 2010. 2010. Cool. What, what else occupies your time? Oh, yeah. I chase cows around and gophers. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, sometimes we get grandkids here. Okay. Chase them around. So I saw some fields mm-hmm. as I was pulling up. Right. Have you have you been working on those for a while now? Right. Since uh, when did we buy this? Ninety one. Ninety two. Ninety one. Ninety one. Well, let's see. No, we moved here in ninety one. Yeah. We moved here in February of ninety one. So where did when did? Yeah. So was it was it ninety? What first? Might have been. Might have been eighty nine ninety. Yeah. Anyway, in that area, when we bought this homestead that was here, and uh, and we've lived here s- since. Who did you buy it from? From believe it or not, you're not going to believe this. The historian Nathan Hale. We did. <laughs> he was quite old, but not that Nathan oh. Hale. But anyway. So you had you're chasing cows around and gophers, and doing things in the fields, mm-hmm. and teaching. And teaching. All at the same time. And I was in reserve also. So anyway. From your perspective, what do you think is unique about the Snake Valley? Initially, it was, and it struck me when I was, when I first came back before I bought this place when I lived at Trout. The uniqueness of it was that you would step, you could actually step back into history when you would come here and live here and work here or visit here, you actually did step out and went back in time because there was no power originally here. There was no uh, phones. And once in a while, there might have been a television signal. The wind didn't blow and it wasn't too hot. light plant work but most of the time and uh, so you would be here for the summer living a different world and a different way because there was no indoor plumbing of course no power uh, where we lived anyway and so you you lived in a different life and then would you would pack it up and go back into town, you would switch and go into a different life. So that that was, I think, unique because you could, you could go, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know. Did you appreciate that time in the summer, going back in history? Uh, sometimes I didn't appreciate it, really, as I do now. I didn't appreciate it because it was difficult. It was hard. And... Uh, Frustrating. You weren't didn't have access to instant gratification out here as you do in town, and so you did other things that 
had more long-term uh, benefits because you had to work at it to make a success and to make whether it was taking the time to go play softball with a community once a week. <laughs> I mean, that was the big thing. Oh, yeah. You remember those? Oh, so, so vividly. <laughs> well, so does Deanna. Yeah, and, and uh, once in a while, you'd, get, you'd go to the neighbors and watch a TV show or something like that. Or you'd go rabbit hunting. That was a major thing to hmm. do things like that. So, or go fishing or swimming at the at the sprigs. But those were that was a, a different lifestyle. Today I walk in here, I click into my computer, I go around the internet, I can find out all the stuff I want to find out. I can watch any show I want to show, you know, any games or anything like that. And then when I choose to, I can pause it or take, you know, TiVo it and then go off and do something else on my own terms. And, and so, um, so I'll throw something. I don't know if, you, if it, it's a little interesting. And Deanna and I were living together here at the valley here when it, when this thing happened was when the phones came in the valley. 86. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when that came on, we changed our life too. Because before that, you would visit on Sunday most the church or those that were involved in the school, you'd meet there every day. But if you wanted, you'd always look forward with your eyes of what was going to happen. And so you would connect with people face-to-face -face immediately, time frames and things that you were going to do or you needed to have done or things like that in the future. You was always mm -hmm. talking about in the future because you would all leave. And you couldn't get a hold of each other. After the phones came in and we got used to it, then we didn't do that communication with each other anymore. We just lived our life and then, oh, I got to call somebody because I want them to do this or, or they need me to do that. In the moment, we could go up and talk. And so we didn't have to plan it every week you know, subconsciously. We always did that. Now, and... And now it's even changed because now we all have our little cell phones. We do it all. You guys are doing it right now. I mean, in church, people are doing it in church. We're talking to each other two blocks, or, you know, two rows behind us, them talking to each other. When we just were connected to just that phone on the wall, we thought that was something. Anyway, it's just, it's all life changing. So despite those kind of those technological advances that you mentioned, do you still feel, get that same feeling when you come into the Valley, that you are in some way still stepping back in history? Mm -hmm. Or is that still what is unique to you? Yeah, it is still. It is still unique in a different way. Uh, it's the, the quietness is unbelievable. It's except like last night when the coyotes were howling around here. But once you step away from this building, mm -hmm. you don't hear the white noise, the phones, Ooh, or the, so the refrigerator, or the, the clocks, or anything. But you don't hear that. Mm -hmm. You step out here, you do not hear most well, of the time. You know what? I had anybody else. No driving, no cars, jets once in a while. Mm. But uh, the noise is from your own feet as you're walking around, and that's it. And I was I was there, I was at a place yesterday with your cousin, and we sat down on a rock, and, and your uncle and we just looked and paused and, and saw all of the places that we have never saw, we had never been, we had never walked on. And we realized that in this area, there are places that no one has walked, walked on. 
And so we just looked. We looked across the little canyon and saw a little cave there and a cave over there. And wondered, there's no way in the world anyone would ever want to go there unless they had a reason to go there. And so that is so unique. And for us, in latter parts of our lives, and I don't think Dallas understood it, because life is now, but for us, we really paused that and said, oh, that has never changed in eons, and just to be a part of that, to touch it there. Anyway, wandering off here. How did you and your family use water when you were a kid in the Snake Valley? Well, it, we used it for crops and for livestock and culinary <coughs> usage there. It was, uh, we got our water from the wind, the windmill, and a, 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 a wood tank, an old, you've seen that, at a redwood. And uh, we would always look at the weather, and we didn't have the internet to see the weather, but we would look up, and the windmill was whipping, oh, we, we're going to have water. And there were times when the wind didn't blow, and there would be no water, you know, and it would be really tough to do. Uh, we, we took care of water. <laughs> uh, we would make our uh, bathing, and we would talk to your mom about, you know, we, we uh, recycled bath water. Littlest got it first. And then it worked up to the oldest. Unfortunately, I was the oldest. So I never was very clean. <laughs> but, and uh, the uh, washing of clothes, washing of, of, of dishes and stuff like that, is always the smallest amount that you could utilize. You needed to utilize it. And then to throw the water away was to put it where it could be used, the base of a tree or... A flower bed or something like that. It's always used that. But you, to farm, we always depended that upon the winter, what was going to leave up on the mountains. Because we didn't have any wells other than just a windmill that we used for culinary. So you and all the guys around that were older than I would look up on that mountain and I could see the drift. And depending on the size of the drift up there, on that mountain, they knew, okay, we're going to go for seed this year, or we've got enough water, we'll, we can go a crop and have a crop of, uh, of alfalfa and a crop of, then we'll have to go to seed. Or if we're really looking good, then we'll be able to turn some soil over and put in some grain, because we'll have excess water in the spring to get the grain up. And then there were times in life, I didn't recognize it, but when I came back to live here, mm -hmm. there were summers, the water didn't make it down. I remember, yeah. We uh, shared the water. Deanna? Yeah. Was it the second or third year when we were married when the water didn't come down past the weir? We didn't irrigate. I don't remember. And we lost, and you know, lost most of the crop, most of the fields that we had tried. And you would measure just by looking at the mountain. Oh yeah, you can see the bank. I yeah, you see it right now. What it is. Yeah. And you just say, "Well, it looks big. It looks small." <laughs> really? You, you look at it. And yeah. You can tell. Wow. And you knew when that was gone, high water was gone after that, that it just stayed at a certain level, and then it went lower and lower all. So anyway. But then, so you mentioned you didn't have a well at the start. Is that right? Or right. Did, did, oh. The only well that we had was our neighbor's culinary well. Your neighbor's? Meals. No. Okay. Yeah. So, and the previous people that we had, my, my dad had bought from, they had worked together and they had split the water in a sense so they let them water come this direction. This is a trout. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you use that water for any specific purpose from the well? Yeah, just for uh, uh, livestock and for 
culinary. Just for culinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had the windmill. He had irrigation coming down. From the mountains. From the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the snowfall. And then you also had culinary water coming from the well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. How did that relationship work out with, with the Nelsons um, using their water? Well, as a child, I, I get scolded if sometimes I'd leave the water on and forget and overflow the, the trough. The neighbors would tell my dad, my dad would tell me, <laughs> buddy, because you could drain the whole tank. So it was a, it was a, a, a sincere, you know, a, a serious uh, job that I had. I didn't always cover it the right way. But it was a pretty friendly relationship? Oh, yes. I guess. Yes. We always help each other. Do you think there are other similar relationships within the valley between ranchers or farmers that would share water like that or maybe share the well or perhaps they're drawing from the same stream to irrigate? All the time. Really? There would be that. Yeah, there was an understanding of when you took the water, it was your turn, what day, what hour you took it, and things like that. But if someone said, I I don't have any place to put the water you would like some more water for yours? Okay, yes, or things like that. Or could I could I change a day this week or this month or here to do stuff like that? But very very seldom ever any of it was ever wasted. Never. Except the flood in '83, and that's it. Just tore up everything. Tore all the ditch, uh, the cement water, and the cement. That's a cement ditch. Yeah. Has that kind of tradition carried on? That you work together to share the water in the same way? Um, or is it different in some way? It's different yeah. a little bit. Um, although it is being used even even today, I heard a couple of days ago that the, the neighbors... We're using some water help because one guy is planting corn, doesn't need it right now, and his neighbor's going to let him have his water for a while. And, and, they'll, they'll, and then he'll use his out of his well later on. So, yeah, they switch it back and forth. We'll just have to sit you know, but, quietly. But with me, I our well here is it can't doesn't go anywhere else but here because we're that's all i have here is a well for irrigation and just about everybody else either has a well and well with other water and so with the with the aspect of power coming in the valley we were able to drill wells and have electric pumps and we've been able to not have to depend on the neighbor or switch water. We're, we're more independent because when we want to turn the water, we just pull a switch. So we got to pay for it. But it's about turn... the price of gold. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it is coming up um, and you're able to use it on your own terms. So you're more independent that way. Does that make sense? There are fewer relationships, would you say? like that of your father's and the Nielsen's. Mm-hmm. More independent. So how did your parents talk about water? Would they say, like you, you mentioned that your dad would get on you if you... Wasted it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that a theme throughout, you know, every source <coughs> of water you had? Oh, huh. mm-hmm. On any irrigation, anything. Um, the neighbors said, hey, we're not going to, you know, they usually would have to get water at 6 o'clock in the afternoon and they would turn their term on. On one of the week, days of the week, and Dad always made sure that it wasn't our responsibility to turn the water to the neighbor. It was your own responsibility to go change the water. But if the neighbors happened to be having a party or you know, didn't show up or something like that, the water coming to us was ours, and we Dad always made sure that I was. If they don't take it, just keep moving it. Just keep moving it. Get another switch. Another switch down there. Because you're always trying to do the best you can. We're trying to do the same thing yeah. here. We're limited to our well here. And uh, so that's why I'm, and I'm a, obnoxious about it. But I always have to listen to the weather. Not that I can do anything about it. But I've been 
ingrained with seeing what the weather does. And it's different. We, we uh, I'll let her, if she can yeah. say yes or no about it, but yeah. we look at a, at a snowstorm completely different. And we will never change. I look at a snowstorm and I think, wonderful. I see water coming in, you know, in the spring or in the summer. It, it can't snow too much. It can't, yeah, I think would say the same thing, but not, she doesn't think about it in terms of, of the crop. I don't think, I may be wrong. <laughs> she looks at it and says, we can go skiing. We can go playing. <laughs> but just because how you were raised, I'll go, she'll go out and make a snow, one of those colors ain't. Uh, snow angels. Yeah, she'll do those things. I'll look in there and I don't think I've ever done that because to do that means it's cold, my shoes have holes in them, I really don't want to walk out in there in snow because our shoes never had, were never together. Now, you took me right or wrong. <laughs> The life of me, I can't understand why people want to go hiking around in the snow. Because <laughs> to me, that's that was disaster. Let's see where I yeah. came from. Yeah, born in Montana, lived in Immigration Canyon. That was that was your recreation. That was your recreation, and there wasn't a shortage of it there. So it was it was. There's no worries. It's, well, you have to go move it. You have yeah. to be out in it. It's not going to go away anytime soon. <laughs> it's your mindset and how you are imprinted, and that will never change. I may be living in Montana someday. It will never change. My view of that resource. And would you say that's a practice habit, but also that your parents imprinted that on you? Or did your dad talk to you about that? And is that well, why? He talked to me about it, but then... Particularly when I got involved in it, it just solidified. Because I saw I saw fields die from one year to the other completely and have to start over again. When you talk to John Sepps, who lived at Snook uh, Creek uh, down there, he talks about back in 34 and those years back then when that the water never came. And his dad and mom you know, had all these fields one year and the next year nothing came and it killed them all and you have to restart over again planting and hoping and financing to get it back again that's before they had wells at least now they have we have wells if that happens you can pull it from the water from underneath but back in the day when it was just the seasonal and a yearly thing, yeah. John will have that same point of view. Yeah, what, what was that like for you to see your fields die? You said you saw Oh, oh. I was young. It was just frustrating. Look, I'll go teach school. <laughs> but, but it was like, ah, darn. I wish we had a well. What is your favorite body of water in the valley? Could be a creek. Be a little like it with the springs, and why? The most fun was Smith or was Warm Creek over in the springs because as a child it was warm and big enough you could learn that. That's where I learned how to swim a little bit in that little thing there because it was big enough. Where else did you have it? And the the bigger ponds were bigger at the trout over here. The the weir and stuff. It was never high enough. There's only about that much water in it. It was cold because it was melted snow, melted snow there. So it wasn't fun at all. You'd go there, it was like going to a, a pool in town or the Y or something like that because it was warm and this is fun. A whole bunch of it coming and you could swim against it and things like that. So. It's always clean. He'll tell you all about so, it. Uh, that, for that aspect of it, that was 
Is that your favorite today? Would you say, or one of your favorites? Oh, yeah. One of them. The one that really that I ponder about most is the Miller Place, that pond. Well, it might help. Because as a child, I would watch and I'd look at it, and it was huge. It was cold, too, but it was huge. And you could see little fish, you know, floating around, you know, swimming around. You'd see, you know, uh, uh, snails, and you'd just wonder, because you'd look so deep. Mm -hmm. Little legends there. You just see what the, uh, you just wonder where that water came from and how did it get there as a little kid. So that always fascinated me, springs and things like that. And you still look at that same body of water today mm -hmm. at the Miller Place? Mm -hmm. And you do you have the same sorts of reflections? Yeah. I want to know where it's coming from. Where did it start? Where it sunk to the ground and how long it took to get around. Just little scientific things I wonder about, I think. Yeah. So what sources of water do you use regularly today? And how do you use them? Uh, the uh, aquifer that You're we welcome. have here. Mm -hmm. That's what we bring up out of the water. We use it for both culinary, livestock, and for other crops. Right. It's for everything. But we do, well shout to each other and come and talk to each other when we see a storm coming down the valley like it did two weeks ago and rain here it was like wow perfect <laughs> perfect that's why we're cutting right now because day before yesterday was the last opportunity it might have rained here and as a matter of fact it did rain across the valley over there and now we know there's about a seven day period when it won't rain and that's why I'm cutting as fast as I can as you get it so I can so it won't rain but yeah so that's our water comes from and we appreciate it do you try to collect the rainwater in any way well in a sense we don't really we don't get enough well, but you make rainwater sure, to you put your flowers right where the water comes off the big yeah where the water comes off the roof, roof and plant flowers. That's where the flowers are at. A lot of them are. So, for that reason. Okay, we're talking about water. Yeah. So every drink. Um, we're talking about how yeah. good it is to have nice. rain. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, you think? Oh, I'll say it's wonderful to have rain. It is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said you chase around cattle. What about your cattle? At the Miller Place, have you used those springs for cattle before? Or mm -hmm. other sorts of resources in the valley for, for cattle? Mm -hmm. There are springs every... On the bottoms particularly, mm -hmm. there are springs up on the side hills a little bit. And they're all looked at. And that is where the cows will will drink in the winter and the summer those springs water and the cows will drink it don't they yeah i was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the groundwater development project how would you explain what's happening uh, to someone who hasn't heard about it well a process is is uh, contemplating of, of drilling wells from this valley and pumping it to another portion of Nevada for <coughs> culinary purposes, mainly. So to expand, uh, expand uh, homes <coughs> and businesses and, and where people want to live there. And what, what's that process been like? as someone who lives in the valley? The potential yeah, hasn't potential. happened yeah. yet, but the potential is that it would, it's just like taking a uh, uh, straw and taking a sip out of a cup. The more you take it out, the lower the level goes. And economically right now, for us to, to drill wells and pump wells, lower than maybe 200 feet 
you reach a point where you cannot economically pull the ground up or the water up deeper than that because the deeper it is the more it costs you you'll reach a point where that will happen you cannot uh, economically function that way water is more valuable for a culinary situation in Las Vegas literally than it is for us out here uh, agriculturally what do you mean when you say valuable you can you can sell that water for more money culinary than you will for what it costs or what it what what I have to purchase it for just for my plants for my fields sell the water yes and it, that is the way not just here but the world mm-hmm. is that way right now and uh, so anyway the idea of what will happen it economically yes it probably makes sense and legally they may they may that may happen but morally in my mind and i'm on one side of it of course morally does not make it right to me on the on my mind so mm-hmm. So I think there's other sources that you could utilize. Could you tell me just a little bit more about why you, why you think it's kind of economic? It might be economically, you know, feasible or, or more valuable, but why it's not morally? Uh, it doesn't seem morally the right thing to do. Yeah. Because yeah. the morally aspect of it is just not me or us as a family here and a lifestyle and a historical use of it here it is it is um, the livestock and, and the wildlife and the plants that survive right now in the situation right now and have been here since eon I am a we are the visitors my dad was one of the new visitors when he came in and homesteaded it, you know, and all the rest of them. 150 years ago, there was no one here. The Indians came through, and they didn't stay. But um, the lives, there were the wildlife and the, the plants that survived and needed on this 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 aquifer system here we shouldn't change that for them I and mean, we shouldn't take it away from them you know i i i feel guilty myself i'm pumping water because mm. the neighbor the people on the other side will uh, around the table will say hey well you're doing it you're doing it yes i am and uh, I try to do the best I can to, to, you know, make it, uh, you know, economically and make it, uh, convert, or making it right, and not waste it in the whole nine yards. But yeah, to be in a perfect world, I should shut it off too, and just let nature run its course, and you know, mm-hmm. just go whatever God gives us in rain, and just live it that way. <laughs> Maybe someday that's where it will be. But to change it so drastically immediately because you can is, is has, has some moral issues with that. Do you think right now that moral issue, right, of thinking about water in the context of the history of the valley and, like you said, the wildlife, and the way it's been for eons. Do you think that that is part of the conversation between Las Vegas and the Snake Valley? Or between the legislators? Or, or is it just money? It's driven by money, but the arguments are on one side of the table will say it won't change anything. 
and the people who are closest to the water here are saying, uh, "No, no, we you we we lived here. We know what it takes. We know what happens when the water quits immediately. We're the first one to find out. You know, I know what it was like to be the last one on Sunday in the tub. You know, don't tell me. I bet I've lived it." And so uh, that's where they're from their side. Because they're saying, no, we can go ahead and take this amount of water and you won't even, won't change anything at all. We promise you, we'll check it and make sure if the level doesn't, if, it, if, the, if the level goes down, well, then we'll, we'll let's, let's talk about it. Then. Instead of saying, hey, if it goes down, how about us having a stop button? That's fine. You drill all you want and pump all you want. But if the level goes down, who ha- who handles the figure on that stop button? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the people who put the wells in and take the water. It's it doesn't take us it doesn't take rocket scientists to figure that one out. So I shouldn't get so emotional about that. So See, I told you. Torqued. <laughs> and then that's when they start stammering. Um, um, let's see, who will have the stop button? Because there's not an intention to push the stop button. There's an intention to compensate uh-huh. after uh-huh. damage is done, yes. but not to shut it down if what, we'll, the levels drop. We'll truck your, your culinary water here to you for a while. But no, you won't need the fields anymore. You won't need animals. As <laughs> if you still want to live here. But... You, some guy looking down on the on the checkerboard, looking at the game being played. You're looking down there and saying, "Well, yeah, guys, we're all living here, so let's use it the best resource we have." Because it, it's more, there's more money involved there. There's more people, more lives, more dreams down south than there's for over here. If we'll discount wild horses, if we'll discount the antelope, we'll discount the lizards, we'll everything else. Some will still survive. I mean, I don't care how much you drill and pump. When God does come and drop some snow, some rain and snow, there'll be stuff that no one else can catch it to ship it. But it will certainly be you know, changed. will be changed big time. Deanna, you mentioned these. They, they, they would never, or it seems like, they're not interested in the stop button, obviously. But they aren't interested in these compensation projects that they would somehow compensate if it got to a point. <laughs> we started. <laughs> the plan. There was a plan. They were going to have two pipes. One pipe, they'll take the the fresh water and headed that way. Another one in here. And in order to fulfill the water levels, they will pump the sewer water back this way. <laughs> and and that's how they'll keep the levels straight. After their purification plants. <laughs> I have no idea. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you talk to Mrs. you talk to talk to the other guys that are more involved than <laughs> we heard that one. Oh, well, and the compensation, that's, who knows what it would be, but if you look at history and you watch history repeat itself and you look at Owens Valley and other places that this has happened, the compensation is exactly what Ed said. It's, we'll go ahead and ship your drinking water back to you so that you can have something to drink, but it doesn't compensate for, you know, raising hay and a lifestyle and... But, but its compensation from their vantage point is very good because we would get filtered water back to drink and we would still be able to live. And But yet, the, but the, the, you can't compensate the lifestyle by shipping sewer water back. And, and the location, right? It's not like right. you well, guys... And the, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, you can farm anywhere. You can, you know, you can have horses, you can have animals, but you can't have... What we have here, which is the solitude, which is what keeps a lot of people here. And so, you know, the lifestyle, it's very few people in this area, but there's a high price 
to enjoy that solitude. And that's the that's the um, surviving through the isolation. Then your reward is the solitude, but you can't. This is the long long version, but you yeah. can't compensate. You can't compensate solitude. Let's say the groundwater development project goes as Las Vegas would like it to. What effect will that have on you and your family? In my lifetime, I will be dead. I mean, it will, before the results, you know, hit, hit here to the degree, um, I will be gone. But it's my and others' generations, the future of, of being to this area uh, at the same situation that Deanne was talking about with solitude. That opportunity will be gone here because there will be no reason to. You can't be here. You can't live the life that you do, you know, in the future. It will all change. Um, and I, I'm not that familiar with the Owen Village, uh, Owen Valley, but I think a lot of farms and ranchers, they're gone. They disappeared. <laughs> a little bit like. Oklahoma in uh, in the in the thirties with Mother Nature did this and they just the way they, their their crops and their, and the way they farmed the sun or the dust bowls they just wiped them out. Yes, you'd say. Although you might not feel the ramifications uh, or or see them or live them as much, it would be your ch- your children then. Mm-hmm. And your grandchildren, and my grandchildren, and their and their children. Yeah, it it, it just yeah. Well, they wouldn't be able to do what we've been able to do. It wouldn't be available. Right. And so, yeah. So they might not know what they're missing because they wouldn't they wouldn't see it in its in its prime. You know, but yeah, if they started sucking the water, we wouldn't have what we have here. It wouldn't be a little oasis. It would be. Just like the rest of it, just be a house. Windblown. Yeah. What effect do you think it would have on the community here? There'd be no generational ties. Uh, hist- uh, because because any children that were produced in this area, they couldn't stay. Or, or very few could stay unless the others died, you know, passed on, and then maybe individuals could stay there. But there would be no growth. There would be no, no uh, stay. It's like this. Uh, we'll do just off the top of my head. It, can any of my children live just in this house, in this little yard? and survive. No, you can't. And so they couldn't come back. They may not, but maybe they could live. Well, they wouldn't that? be able to make a living. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> some people might be able to in the internet. You know, a lot of people live at their work and their houses in town. You know, their kitchen table. Tell you all about you know, that. After the interview uh, is over, but you need to be patient until the interview is over. So that aspect is, is could be available, but you're not growing anything. You're not food. You're not feeding people. You're not feeding people. Eventually, nature has a way of balancing things out, and mm-hmm. eventually, the water to drink and the food to eat will make life or will make mankind change they have to literally you know but uh yeah our contribution to mankind as far as food will be gone and drinking will be gone would you say that your your kind of relationship to the land would change the, the community's relationship to the land would change right. rather than yeah yeah rather than farming or or interacting with it in the way you do right now mm-hmm. Yeah, is that right? Or? Yeah, it would change. 
just off the top of the head because it's not costing us anything. No, here, but no. I'm wondering if the same thing didn't happen in the Northwest with the lumber scenario because you see you had you know buildings or uh, towns that were survived mm -hmm. on the on a farm. I mean on the uh, forest, and then through laws and stuff they were changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they couldn't do that anymore. They could. They didn't interact with each other. They didn't survive, and the kids couldn't stay either because they could. There's no more lumbering. But so yeah, I wonder how that. What happens to them? Yeah, we'll try how that happens. Okay, so just gut reaction. What do you think the future of water is in the Snake Valley? It will be monitored, and it will be. Um, To survive, even as we do right now, it will be more economically monitored. Mm -hmm. Let me put it that way: economically monitored, and uh, it'll be tied to um, titled to, to economic growth. Um, there are right now very close to big limits here of the number of wells that will be drilled in this valley. And um, with the potential drilling down here uh, for Nevada, that knew that there is a limited amount of water underground. So that will be even just our individual little wells here, little you know, two hundred footers, will be monitored, and uh, which is probably right. It should be done, you know, limited because the entire level of water level, and we're in a two hundred or maybe longer year uh, drought system anyway, and it will continue to lower and lower until. We, we gotta stop sooner or later. So, would you say that it'll be monitored monitored based on who can make the most money off of it, or or what do you mean by that? Um, we're not perfect, even even uh, stewards of the water as we have it right now. Okay, I, you can you can see to that because we have a really lush yard. Yes. Some would say that it's not <laughs> exactly. a zeroscape. They go in Nevada or Las Vegas and they'll come and look and say, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, you're not. What are you? What, are you what doing? argument do you have? Because you're growing lawn and they're mm -hmm. not. They're zeroscaping and putting gravel. And she won't change the water as often as probably she could have. And I will put more water on my fields than more they need. Really needed. I don't have the technical apparatus to, to to just shut it down immediately when it's time and move just exactly when it is. It's like a not like on a on a greenhouse where they can measure it to the point. No, this is I do the best I can. Oh shit. Well, there's a little lake over here that comes once in a while, it, it appears and it all depends. It, its name is either Lake Deanna or no, Lake, Lake Edward. Lake Leone <laughs> or Lake Edgar. <laughs> and it's all because we forgot to shut the water off of so, trough over so here. Whoever, whoever forgot to shut the water off is who the lake is named after. <laughs> and it changes all the time. But things like that, we are not the best stewards. Uh, and, and so we, we, we should take that those hits and things like that. I'm sure they don't have that aspect in Las Vegas, in their yard, but. But it also allows us the opportunity to reevaluate what we're doing. So, mm -hmm. so in that aspect, that's a positive. That's positive because we look at it and we did cut our yard in mm -hmm. half. In half. Thinking, okay, you know, we want to be good stewards too, and and I and I try to set my sprinklers on a timer and. So it makes us more aware also because we're asking them to not take our water and yet and yet we're creating lakes, you know, once a week or so. And so it's good awareness for us. But on their side, 
they might have a hundred homes in a and a little what do they call it? Cul-de-sac. And they will take a portion like our yard here, and they'll say that's our park for the hundred families. Wow. And they will do that. That's good. Kids need a place to run and to get married and to you know to play around with them and stuff like that. Or a golf course. Golf, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, we don't have that. So what do we do is we go to, and every home is a little different. We have one of the nicer ones right here, thanks to Deanna. Mm -hmm. But people come and say, let's have a barbecue. And we can go to Alders because there's a yard here. And so this is the park. And so we sometimes say, yeah, it's we a justify. little lush. Huh? Yeah, you justify. We justify a little bit because we don't have a park to go to. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. So, uh, but we have to mow it ourselves. There's no no city's gonna come to mow it. And, and uh, we pay for the we pay for the water and we do all that kind of stuff. So, to someone who maybe had never been to the Snake Valley, how would you explain the importance of water here? Here in the Snake Valley. Yeah. Um, Take them on a cattle drive without a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the socks. I'm going to take some. I've been, my foot. I would love to be able to. Pushing water at cows from the mother place to trout as a kid. We have on that bottom road there. On foot. Because we didn't even, didn't even afford a horse. Of course, we know what horse is. I'm doing it with my foot. And getting past way between here and trout. And there is no water there. And those cows taking a piss on the road <coughs> in an old uh, footprint. Footprint. I really just I got on my knees. I damn near thought, I've got to drink something. Seriously. I'll never forget it. Oh, I was so thirsty. Why did you die? Oh, I wouldn't have killed me, but I don't know. No. You get to a point, you will drink salt water. You do. Yeah. Well, as a kid, you don't think about taking water. Never heard of canteens before. And, you know, it, it got hotter and hotter and hotter. And I, oh, Well, and a similar thing happened to me mm -hmm. out a couple of years ago, out moving cows. Only I was sick. So I had gotten, I had gotten sick. We started out, it was going to be an all day thing. And I had gotten sick. And so I started getting a fever. And with the fever, I got oh, thirsty. No. And it had rained three days before. And yeah, the water was in the hoof prints along the side yeah. of the road. And, mm -hmm. and, but my fever was spiking. Oh, I was gosh. getting delirious. And I knew I was either going to die of the fever or I was going to die of what's in the water. But when you get that thirsty, the need for water overrides. And I had separated from the rest of the group. So I had a group of cows all by myself, clear over here, no cell coverage, no, no communication at all. And I did, and I prayed really hard, please Lord purify it, because I'm gonna drink it. And it was the best water I've ever had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you want someone to appreciate that, that's, that's how, take them on a ride. You'd say, come, yeah, come experience Come with it. us. Come experience oh. it firsthand. Has this project, the Groundwater Development Project, changed the way that you think about water? Um, and, and how? Mm -hmm. Because I recognize the, the desire is so extreme outside of me that I appreciate what I have more. Before it was... That's another city, it's another culture, that is another lifestyle. So I, I don't care what their problems are. I deal with what I have right here, and I, I, I take it for granted. We still take it for granted because we still have it, but I am very um, I, I am nervous and very uh, aware now of the desire. It was much more extreme than it, it, when I was a kid growing up here. Extreme about it. So. The desire from people around. Around. Really. Uh, yeah, in, in, in other communities. 
Well, and, and you'd say the, the, the conservation inspector? I, I would say when, when you, when there's a threat to you losing something, then you appreciate it more and you take better care of it. And so it wasn't really an issue until someone said, we're going to take it from you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go, well, wait a minute, but I love it. Well, but you haven't been taking care of it. But I love it. And so it makes you it makes you evaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you can better protect that resource. So so yeah, it does. It does make you it, it makes you it makes you recognize its value more. Is is there a question you think I haven't asked you that I should? Mm-hmm. One thing that we think about if we lose, let's just say if we lose the water, what would we do with our, this is where we've built our life. And if that's, if we lose that, what, what will we do? And, and you, sometimes that's a hard, that's a hard question to ask because it's like, but this is what we wanted to do. We chose, we're not forced to be here. We want to be here. This is what we want to do. But if it's no longer available, that's kind of a tough, tough thing to think about unless you've been trying to get out and then you're, then you're happy to have the money and when they buy you out and off you go. But if you don't want to go, if this is your lifestyle, you have to really think about what you would do next. So that might be, I mean, I would think that might be, if you're looking for research material, that might be, um, it might be something that becomes highly emotional <laughs> because, because that is, it is, it, it is a huge threat. And so you ask John Sims, what would you do? Next, or you ask someone, you know, like with us, where we're finished with one career. This is our this is our career now. We worked all those years to get to the point where we can do this. We don't want to, you know. They say, "Well, just move to move to somewhere oh, yeah. else." Well, somewhere else yeah. isn't where our roots are. And so, if you haven't set roots, it's okay to move around. But if you've set roots, those don't always come up so easy. You know, those are those 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 roots go down and find that just like the roots of a plant go and find the water, the roots of your soul go and find your lifeblood. And sometimes that's, you know, that's that that's what fuels the that's what fuels the fight, the protective aspect of the people in the valley is those roots. Those are those are pretty deep seated and generational. And so what to do next is. Not anything we want to think about, but but you do when you lay lay asleep at night. You go, what would I do? Do you answer that question? What would you do? Yeah. Well, you'd think we'd want to go on a cruise where there's enough water to sustain everything, but even that's not. Not free. Yeah, I mean, you you would think that, that it would be an easy answer. I I don't know. I don't know. I guess the bridge. Hopefully, that we don't ever have to cross. But but we eventually all do. We all do. Uh, I'm just thinking of some people out here, older people. Oh, we're, we're blessed because our dad stayed to the very end. He was able to. Maybe forever out here. There's you know the scenario here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people where, you know, you give, uh, physically they just can't get, you, they move. They have to move into assisted care. Maybe that's, well, maybe that's us. Well, and there, there's a difference between choosing to go and, yes. and having it yeah. and having it no longer an option. Mm-hmm. So. Is that, did you feel the same that that was a question you, you thought? You'd like to respond no, she, to it. She did it very well. I, I was, my mind was going to things like, if I had an opportunity, or if I could, if I could get things to be changed or or understanding. Because I am, believe it or not, no, my bracelet just lost last or this one. Um, I look back. I I spend a lot of my time now looking back. In in my life and and, and I um, maybe maybe all oh, well, mom does it all the time. She talks about gives us little gems of 
things to do this watch that and be careful where about things like that I would want your generation and younger even though they may not be involved in this water thing with resources take care of it now and take care of the stuff that uh, and, and I, I get excited when I hear that people are taking good soil and taking it on top of their uh, you know big uh, houses or big buildings yeah. and they're putting gardens up there anywhere there's space they're putting just like Deanna does with these little garden these little flower things over here they're growing stuff I think that's you need to do that because how many times and when we were young that never happened every field in Salt Lake we lived next to 11 acres in Mandan that was just full of tomatoes up there and it's now just all houses there some of the best soil was just houses and all the best growing is gone they're moving it they're moving it until you get to the edge of the mountain and there's you can't grow anything there so anyway I, I just I would want the generation to say guys you're gonna have to eat you know that maybe that's where you're gonna have to do is on top of buildings or something but you need you know take care of those resources that's what I would like to I guess I sound like Cecil Garland. <laughs> well, and that's also what Las Vegas is telling us. Hey, take care yeah. of that resource. Yeah. And so there's that aspect of it. There's that agricultural aspect of it. But there's also, I get just as much of a rush out of, like last weekend when all you guys came out and you, you came in and you had an agenda. But I get just as big a thrill as knowing that you guys up there are going to sit around a campfire in complete silence and listen to the coyotes because that you can't get anywhere you can grow vegetables on the top of a rooftop but you can't have that solitude with nothing between you and the moon as it comes up and that sometimes that's more grounding and you look at the look at the inner cities and the problems that are there and we look at our grandkids and what they're you know what they're going to be faced with and 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 we're very fortunate that we were able to raise our kids out here because we gave them that foundation. And you guys are fortunate that you were able to come out, even if it's a weekend. You have that, you have that knowledge that you know when life gets heavy and tough and problems come in, you know where to go to refuel. And so, so that right there, that's we've talked about. That's our hope for our grandkids, and that's mm -hmm. why we, that's why we do what we do here. Is so that they know there's a spot. There's a spot. They know how to. They know how to refuel, and it's not with drugs, and it's not with alcohol, and it's not with, with things that don't solve the problem. They know. They know they can come out here and go right on top of Lizard Hill, right out the front door, and they know that they can sort life's problems out. And so, so that also is a is a huge resource that not that you can't find just anywhere and you can't replace that sometimes when you're in the city and you can't get out you can still tap into okay i might not be able to leave but i know where to find it when i need it and it's not in a pill and it's not in a bottle it's it's in a pure connection with such a greater bigger source than anything else. And I think that's why Ed and I have done what we've done through the years is because we might not be able to give Disneyland. We might not be able to give cruises and trips to Hawaii, but we can give one little spot on top of Lizard Hill and they can, they can find that solitude. Okay. Um, okay. Now it's your turn. It's not my turn. Nope. I don't know what to say. Okay, sing just Warren's going to ask sing you. Should we sing a song? Warren's going to ask you a question. Well, she'll be able to answer any questions. We can uh, finish with the song, eh? Okay, so, Grandma, how are you doing today? Pardon? How are you doing? Oh, 
Gila was fine. What do you think about the Snake Valley? What do you think about where where you lived for most of your life? I'm not sure. What is your... Can I help? Go for it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. What is your opinion about the importance of water in the Snake Valley? Oh, I think it's, it's definitely... It's... That it's uh, necessary. Absolutely. What in the heck would we do? That's great. What What did we you just fall to pieces? <laughs> Mom, do you remember when we lived at Trout? How did we get our water? Goodness. Did, did we you know have those a pump? pumps? Remember those old pumps that you used to have to pull oh, the yes, water out uh-huh. of the ground? And how did you wash our clothes? There. You remember the big pan? The what? You remember the big wash the big wash basin? Oh yeah, it had a big wash basin. And you'd have to scrub the dirt off of those clothes, yeah. huh? Uh-huh. With what's that called? That board? Wash, wash, a washboard. Wash a washboard. Yep, yep. Yeah. Then you'd have, and to, to, to wring them out. Yeah, just wring it out, yeah. Yep. And then we had this roller thing that we would turn and roll the clothes through to wring the, the, all the water out of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then how would we dry them? Wow. Did we hang them up on a clothesline? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We had to hang them up on a clothesline, uh-huh. huh? Hang them up in the clothesline. That's right. Mm-hmm. Who did that? Who did. did? Huh? Who did that? Me. That's right. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs>